<laughs> Wisconsin, here we are. That's awesome. Well, yeah, let's go ahead and just jump into it. Anna, do you want to start with an introduction? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me today. My name is Anna Kraft, and I'm the founder and CEO of Xena Workwear. Um, we design and manufacture stylish safety shoes and functional apparel for women in STEM and the trades. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we are very glad that you're here. Uh, my name's Natalie. I oversee people operations. So for folks that don't know what that means, it's really like recruiting, HR, really everything that falls under the umbrella of making Hermias a great place to work. Uh, Danielle? Yeah, uh, I'm Danielle Mitrack. I'm the head of Quarter Horse Engineering. So I am overseeing the development of our first vehicle. And then I'm Ellen Londrigan, uh, manager of manufacturing engineering. So kind of overseeing all that goes on out here in the factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we are very happy to have you here and and chat a little bit about um, the impact um, that you ha- you feel like you've had in um, engineering, especially specifically, um, you know, with how how women can present in a confident way in a very male dominated uh, a field. So I'm really interested to know if there was a moment or an event that happened, like a specific time where you're just like, okay, I have to do this. I have to start this company and I have to start it now. Was there like a tipping point for you? Um, There were actually many moments where I was really frustrated about my work boots because I was in a role where I had to lead uh, teams uh, through project planning sessions that were for massive multi-million dollar projects and I was required to dress professionally. So as soon as those meetings wrapped up where I was typically the only woman in the room, which you're probably familiar with, mm-hmm. um, one of the guys would typically suggest, all right, let's go out on the manufacturing floor to check on that project that we just discussed. And I had to hold up the whole room and say, wait, guys, I have to run back to my desk and put on my work boots. And I had multiple pairs, steel toes under my desk, and none of them fit. I hated <laughs> all of them. So there were so many moments where I felt like a clown walking mm-hmm. on the shop floor feeling uncomfortable instead of being really focused on the job, I was only thinking about the fact like these are dangers and I feel so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the frustrating part. And it's part of my nature that I complain about something long enough before I take some action. <laughs> and there was uh, one weekend where we got away with my husband and brainstorm a couple ideas of things that we could do either stay in the corporate world. I would have done my master's in engineering or start a company. And I kept coming back to steel toed boots. And (laughs) that was kind of the weekend when I decided to give it a shot. Nice. How long from idea inception was it until you were able to drop off your, your first pair of work boots? So it took me a little bit over a year to, to go from writing a business plan, doing market research, uh, creating a tech pack, finding a manufacturing facility and going through five rounds of prototypes until I was happy with the initial design. Is a year a long time? It's actually actually fast. fast. It's actually fast. We're so lucky that we found our manufacturing partner so quickly. I traveled to Mexico, met up with five different manufacturers. I had like a pitch deck for them, uh, pitched the idea of what I tried to accomplish. Four Mm -hmm. of them had the capability to do what we wanted to do and wanted to work with us and we picked one partner who was who took us uh, serious enough as a small company as a startup uh, but had the capability to do what we needed to do so we're so lucky we found them so quickly that's awesome I'm curious Danielle and Ellen if you all have personally experienced like a gap in maybe not just like 
footwear specific for <laughs> for women, but like uh, clothing in general um, when it comes to like presenting professional in an office as well as balancing that with working on hardware day to day, be out of test site. I don't have a, uh, so I, I mean, I've worked primarily in startups that are very casual, so mm-hmm. I haven't had to uh, span the like professionalism to safety, mm-hmm. uh, but I have, ni- I think pretty much everywhere I've ever worked, if I've had to get a pair of gloves, doesn't yeah. have a size that fits me. Yeah. <laughs> I have very small hands mm-hmm. uh, and no one buys anything under a large typically in the in like the in the manufacturing space uh you can't buy small size gloves that are not cleaning gloves at home depot are you the reason we have so many small gloves (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say the one day we got a huge (laughs) shipment of them (laughs) so actually what happened was we were out of the test site and chris had grabbed a bunch of gloves and didn't buy didn't (laughs) grab the small size gloves that i had ordered Uh i I have an extra case Mm -hmm. of gloves at my desk but (laughs) He uh, he heard my wrath and he purchased an entire case of just small size gloves nice. so that we never run out. Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah. Good good learning opportunity for him. What about you, Ellen? Well, yeah, I worked at GE Power right out of school, so that was definitely like you had to be professional and like business like in the office. But then there was like a door to go between where you had to be wearing steel toes right when you cross that threshold. So a lot of times I would wear you know, more comfortable shoes to the office and then would have to quickly change out of them. And I would always just keep them at my desk because I never wanted to wear them all the time because they were so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I, I ended up getting like clog type uh, steel toes, which are also not very cute. But I was able to like quickly like slip out of my current shoes and slip mm-hmm. into them. So it didn't take me as long. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely. OK. What um on a what kind of feedback do you get when you're trying to raise money or get um, get clients or, or customers, whatever it is, that think that this is not needed in the workplace or not a, um, a like a successful business plan. Yeah, I think um, a lot of men who are in, who are safety managers who I talk to don't get the value proposition right away. They think like, oh, we make cute cute boots for women. That's not the main differentiator of Xena. Uh, the thing that makes us different is that we make shoes that actually f- are designed around a woman's foot. Mm-hmm. The problem we're trying to solve is that so many traditional companies apply the so-called shrink it and pink it concept where uh-huh. they take men's boots, men's jackets, men's gloves, make them smaller, make them pink or purple. And this is not a solution. Like, <laughs> right. To, in order to be safe, we need PPE that fits well. Mm-hmm. So there's an educational component that goes hand in hand with um, with a pitch. But uh, we were really lucky, lucky and grateful um, that we were able to raise funding in 2019, two months after our launch and just raise another fu- round of funding mm-hmm. this year. Do you think that you have a, a large customer base of folks who are doing other things in their workplace to also support women in uh, technical fields? Or is this kind of like a, an entryway in, into that? I'm curious if you have people that are like, I didn't know we had to do anything different. Or if they're kind of pioneers in whatever industry they may be in already. Yeah, I would say a lot of our customers are pioneers in 
like I would call them rebels, uh, nice. rebels with a purpose, for <laughs> <laughs> kind of changing the um, kind of status quo in a lot of different companies and different industries. Um, and we can talk about the exact numbers later, mm -hmm. how, how much progress we've made in engineering versus construction versus like specifically trades professions, women who are in who are electricians and plumbers. Mm -hmm. So I would say a lot of our customers are trailblazers nice. in, um, in their field. Nice. That's great. Yeah. I, I think the, what you mentioned about like the education piece, when you do get the, the pushback on like, this isn't needed. I think we see that in a lot of different areas um, where men sometimes feel like we can treat every single situation the same. And it's like, well, that's not actually true. So there is an educational piece that I feel like is sometimes really difficult. And those conversations can be hard depending on the situation. Um, so it's nice too when it's like the companies are trying to bring in an educational piece instead of just like, this is what we're doing. It's also like, why is it important? Because that's how you get more buy-in from your peers, mm -hmm. our male counterparts in technical industries, technical fields, for them to also just become advocates instead of just participating mm -hmm. in, in this type of thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's not just like diversity in your team and diversity mm -hmm. at your company is not just, uh, not just the right thing to, to push for and the right thing to do. It has a business purpose, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, diverse teams uh, are more productive. They're more efficient. Mm -hmm. There's like a lot of studies that show that companies that have women in the exact like a high percentage of women in their executive branch or in their executive team are more are more profitable mm -hmm. um on average what are some of the and this is a question for all of you all what are some of the uh most successful initiatives that you all have seen us either take here you've seen at other um companies in your past jobs that that makes a more uh welcoming and productive environment for women to be in again in in technical fields does anything jump out we're like man that's worked really well i mean <laughs> just an angry <laughs> silence <laughs> where, where, no where where i always my my first thought goes to um i'm also biased is uh, providing the ppe that fits everyone so allowing mm -hmm. people to get men and women to get the ppe that fits well you will create an environment uh, where uh, you have really increased safety compliance and and you will be more productive because you don't have to change your boots all the time yeah. <laughs> and like just be focused on the job uh, and deliver your best performance. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm drawing a, a blank <laughs> on successes. Okay. Yeah. okay. I mean, I think we do a pretty good job here, but I'm yeah. not I'm not like I haven't I don't think we necessarily have like an individual initiative that's yeah. that's one done, individual correct. right like yeah. we uh we look at it pretty holistically mm -hmm. to to drive a more inclusive workplace mm -hmm. yeah i was gonna um, say it's kind of less about like the initiative and drawing attention to it but having those like conversations constantly almost where mm -hmm. you shouldn't feel you know scared or whatnot to to bring that up to someone mm -hmm. even during the meeting or right after and just say like you know what that wasn't you know, can we talk about this a little right. bit more and, and being comfortable in your workplace enough to be able to have those conversations? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say if I could add to this topic, it's um, I think the goal should be to create meritocracy in every company. So we shouldn't care like if it's an idea coming from a man or a woman. There's still some unconscious bias, but 
if we all just looked at try to get the best ideas out of every single meeting mm -hmm. like i think we all would be so much more successful mm -hmm. i agree uh what do you think um are some of the initiatives that have worked really well recently just like stem initiatives to get more women specifically young girls because i think that's really where we need to target um interested in technical careers uh, one thing that i found out about just a year ago is that the girl scouts um have a new stem pledge okay I think it's in place for the last couple of years but i think that's so important to invest early because girls around the age of 12 to 13 and sometimes even earlier lose the confidence um and think that they can do can do math or they're not supposed to be good in physics and for some reason they lose this confidence and then it's too late once they get yeah. to the decision point what career to choose mm -hmm. they think they're not supposed to go into engineering or yeah. any other stem professions yeah mm -hmm. i mean that was uh, i mean my older sister got told when she was like in third grade or second or third grade that to her she was bad at her times tables just because girls weren't good at math. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like <clears throat> hammered in that I could be good at math because mm -hmm. my, my sister really got like <laughs> uh, pushed or or I mean, maybe she was like she was she, it maybe wasn't something that she was super excited about and yeah. excited to do. And so maybe it wasn't like something that she wanted to do ultimately. Right. Uh, and that's that's perfectly fine. But yeah. it's not because she's a girl that she's not she wasn't into it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was at uh, GE, actually, they did a I volunteered a lot with like a STEM program for an elementary school. So they were it was not just specifically to girls, but I think just getting that STEM like background and just awareness earlier on. Like I didn't even know engineering was a thing I could major in until I was like a sophomore in high school yeah. um, I just like didn't know about it my whole family was in the business kind of world so I think just getting that awareness earlier on and mm -hmm. having that be something that you could look up to and, and look forward to um, definitely would help yeah there's it's not uh, it absolutely is more like, is critical to get more women and and or get young girls interested in uh, STEM but there's also a large number of women that graduate college in the engineering field and never or in, with an engineering degree that never go into engineering. Yeah. Um, and so they're like, why do you think that is? Uh, it is, it, it is difficult to be in an interview on an, like go through the interview process and not see anyone, uh, and they not, not see another woman in that whole process. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, uh, Cody Castor, who is our lead structures engineer, mm -hmm. like it was our, we had a, we had a moment at the end of her interview that was like, oh, this is like, this was weird for both of us because <laughs> it was like, it was the first time we were talking to, to women, to another woman that had like the similar level of experience. And, uh, she was the first woman that I ever hired. Right. Like it's, mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's, and that's, and that's years into my career. Right. Right. Yeah. What do you say that, uh, when you went through engineering school, you had more women in your class because I think that's where it mm -hmm. starts already. When you go in, I feel like, okay, yeah. you're already getting used to like, oh, where are all the girls? Yeah. And I think personally, like I was always a, a, like, I was always, uh, I always had guy friends growing up and it's like, you know, I mean, that's not, there's nothing different. Like, that's perfectly fine. But like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's like 25% women in the classes I was in and that tapered off as you got closer to graduation and mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, it's been really interesting to see, um, especially before the pandemic. Um, We've seen a little bit of a a drop-off since then. But prior to that, local schools were reaching out to me. I mean, at that point, I had a technical recruiter title at an eight-person company, (laughs) you know, and they were reaching out being like, hey, can you come to our school and do a project? Can you bring people and do projects with our students? I was like, "How how old are they? They're fifth graders. I was like, that's so freaking cool. I'm like, we'll see if we can figure something out. I'm sure we can. Um, So it's like, we got to go on uh, campus to a middle school, middle school, elementary. I'm like, what is the fifth grade? (laughs) Elementary uh, around the corner. And it was just really cool to see a classroom full of just like really interested and like pure bright eyed little kids. (laughs) Just like, wow, this is so amazing. And none of them had any... Like they weren't thinking about like career. They weren't thinking about, they didn't have any self doubt. They're just like, this is awesome. Yeah. It's like when you can reach people at that age and kind of keep that spark alive of like, this is really cool. This is really interesting. This is fun. Yeah. I think that really l- lends to the, their experience and wanting to go chase down a career in the thing that brings them joy and that is fun to them yeah instead of being like math is hard so I don't want to do any degree that is hard you know that that has the where I have to go sit in a math class yeah um so yeah I I think it's been really interesting we also work with a lot of universities uh in a lot of different capacities we obviously have an internship program uh we really that we've worked with I think over like 25 universities nationwide now which seems crazy. We've only yeah. been doing our program now for two and a half years. Yeah. Um, and, and partnering or, and, and being a part of the <clears throat> Brooke Owens fellowship and yeah. the Patty Gray Smith fellowship is like, hu- is huge. And those mm-hmm. like the, the purposes of those fellowships are to get women and people of color in, into the engineering force and really bridge the gap, which and is early. another, yeah, early, another mm-hmm. reason why, uh, women and people of color fall, fall out of, the engineering field or don't go into engineering after they graduate, right. Um, getting them experience in, in the workplace mm-hmm. early. And, and it's really exciting to me that like we, Hermes has been doing that for a long time. Right. And on, I actually saw on your all's website, you all offer like a student discount, um, which I thought is great because one students are poor. Um, <laughs> but two, again, it's, it's making things that are accessible to them that otherwise, may not be and I think that that's so important so um why did you all choose to um like what made you think of that opportunity to kind of partner with with universities and allow that yeah so it's it's a really simple way for students to get um a small discount I remember myself when I started my first internship um so I was studying international project engineering in Germany and we all had to go abroad for our internship semester and I applied in many different countries um and got the most interesting offer came from Waukesha, Wisconsin, where I <laughs> did an internship <laughs> in EHS um, nice. and quality assurance at a steel cutting tool facility. And I remember showing up so excited to this internship. And then my facility manager told me, Anna, you have to go get your steel toed boots. And I went to the store and like I was so that was such a terrible experience getting <laughs> a really poorly fitting, terrible pair of boots that made me very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. did you have to pay for them yourself um i think most companies provide a stipend i don't remember how much it was but i and i remember not having a ton of money so i wanted to make our steel-toed boots um a little bit more accessible yeah for students no that's great yeah um i think that's also just like 
again, when, when anybody has access to tools that they need mm-hmm. to do to feel like they can succeed, it's, it's also like, it's like a form of inspiration to them, right? When they are like, okay, now I, I look the part, I feel the part, I have the tools, whether it's literally a tool belt, now I can go do the thing and feel good about yeah. doing it. So I, th- I think that that's like a huge, um, again, for young people, but also for, for us who are um, early mid-career, it's, it's important to have that, that feeling of like comfortability and mm-hmm. showing up and doing your job. Like yeah. It seems like such a simple ask. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. It's, it seems kind of silly, like saying in words, like we want to feel comfortable at work. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that, that, that really is important, a good step. And I think it's related to something Danielle said earlier. A lot of women who finish with an engineering, engineering degree don't go into engineering and there's also a huge statistic i don't know the exact numbers of women leaving engineering Mm -hmm. uh, careers or stem careers in general and i think it's one of the aspects it's already difficult enough and to to fit into this more male-centric environment Mm -hmm. and not feeling your best is not having ppe that constantly distracts you and makes you feel unsafe is just an unnecessary barrier right we need to remove yeah Okay. Yeah. And a lot of those that those numbers are typically women or a, a large number. Again, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head either, but like women that leave engineering typically aren't leaving uh, to stay at home or to take care of a growing family. They're leaving and having another full time job. They just mm-hmm. don't want to be in the field anymore. Right. Or it. Yeah. Or it like it doesn't fit for their life for some reason. Yeah. 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 It's frustrating. Um, but kind of going back to yeah. to to the inspiration. Yeah. Um, what have, um, or who has been an inspiration to you to either, uh, start the company or just that have been, um, helpful to you throughout your journey and, and, you know, really scaling up your company? Um, there's so many inspiring people. Um, my favorite podcast is called how I built this. Mm -hmm. And there's so many cool (laughs) stories about startup founders. Uh, the first person who comes to mind is Sarah Blakely. Yeah. It's she, the founder of Sphinx, mm-hmm. most people know her. She's from Atlanta. Yep. <laughs> um, I think she's the perfect example uh, of an entrepreneur. Like she did everything from scratch. I think she had 500 bucks uh, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. in her pocket when she started. Uh, she was selling fax machines door to door, did not like that job and decided to start Sphinx and built it, this into this massive company and mm-hmm. like sets an amazing example of how to run a company mm-hmm. so i think she's she's been one of the most inspiring women and it shows you don't have to be an expert in that field when when we started xena we had so much pushback from our families and some friends who said you guys are not experts in ppe or footwear manufacturing mm-hmm. and those examples like sarah blakely mm-hmm. showed you don't have to be an expert in the field to start a company because it allows you to think outside the box as long as you have I feel like with an engineering degree you can take it into so many different directions like mm-hmm. applying design thinking right. uh, like what's what's the problem you're solving and just find the way to find a solution how do you go about finding mentors for yourself um, it's been a little bit tricky during the pandemic and mm-hmm. I wish I had more mentors specifically uh, women mm-hmm. um, when we worked at a co-working space in Milwaukee, that was really helpful to run into other startup yeah. startup founders and like just 
you know, like I know this guy just raised a round of funding through a safe or this guy's <laughs> like working on a new product and has a manufacturing facility in Mexico. So it was really nice to talk to people. And I think during the pandemic, we, we all got so disconnected and I'm so glad we're back to more in-person events and connecting yeah. with people. And yes, agreed. What about you yeah. all? Um, one thing that I've realized is like, and I, I appreciate, I've, I've had a, several mentors uh one like oh I, I was paired with a, a woman chief engineer um when i was working at northrop as an intern um and she's fantastic but one thing that i like recommend and uh have appreciated is finding uh mentors that are not women um mm -hmm. it's like it's it's kind of trivial to say but like there aren't a lot of women that can mentor in like there are fewer women that can be your mentor so if you're looking for just women uh you're not <laughs> you're not going to find somebody that has the experiences that you're looking for so um i've had i've found a lot of like great mentors from past companies that uh uh rob meyerson who was mm -hmm. like on our board of directors and was the president at blue when i was there um and that's that's uh been fantastic right mm -hmm. really really identifying what you're looking for from the mentorship relationship, mm -hmm. what specific areas you're looking to grow into, um, and finding a person that's done, uh, like performed well in those specific traits, mm -hmm. um, and really like kind of cherry picking people for the yeah. specific experiences, uh, to get, to get insight, um, has been helpful. Yeah. I wish that was some advice that I had earlier on in my career is seek out mentors. I somehow like had this misconceptions that a mentor was going to appear <laughs> and be like, here's how to be better at your job. Um, and I have like probably over the last three years have made such a huge effort. Um, I, I definitely haven't figured it all out, but it's like, I've made it a, a lot bigger of an effort to reach out to people. Kind of like you said, cherry pick on, find the people that there's no one person that's going to be a perfect mentor for you in every single situation in which you need help. And so I have reached out to a lot of folks over the last year and something that I find really refreshing and it surprises me every single time, everyone's willing to talk to me. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Everyone's like, yeah, let's grab 15 minutes on my calendar. I'm like, really? Um, so it's like, it's, I, I think like people that have seen success in their careers, regardless of what it is, have been helped by somebody else. And so they're willing to help folks. So it's like, mm -hmm. I wish, you know, in my twenties, I had made a lot more of an effort to get mentors. So that way I could have yeah. accelerated my career a little bit faster. Um, but you know, I've definitely taken that to heart, uh, over the last couple of years, but Ellen, have, have you found anybody or any tactics there that you think yeah. would be helpful to share? I actually think it, it's honestly nice, too, to have mentors outside of your field that you're in yeah. as well. Um, they have a fresh perspective on, you know, non-technical things and can help you out a lot with, you know, how to be a better leader, how to be a better manager, um, how to get through some challenging situations and, and stuff like that. So um, not only seeking people out that are within your field, but also outside of your field um, and just staying connected, I think. Yeah. Um, universities offer a lot of networking events like I, I graduated from Notre Dame so they have like a Notre Dame club of basically every city in the United States so mm -hmm. staying connected with those people as well um and you know using you know whatever past connections you have and and not just letting those kind of fall to the wayside mm -hmm. yep um Anna as a business owner and as a startup founder um I am sure that you have uh 
a lot of drive because um, I'm sure some days are uh, fairly difficult. I mean, we have plenty of money in the bank here and some days we're like, what is happening? What is going on? <laughs> it feels very stressful sometimes. So where do you, uh, where do you get your drive from and how do you kind of push through those days that are just like, what am I doing? Or do you even have yeah. that feeling? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think everyone, <laughs> I think everyone goes through, through phases. Um, most of the time I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I get to build mm-hmm. a company from scratch and like build an amazing culture. Uh, but there are days where it's, where you've run into issues like y'all are probably familiar mm-hmm. um, being starting Hermes. Um, but what keeps me going are uh, reviews or just feedback. Mm-hmm. It's enough to get one kind email from a customer who says you made a difference in my life. And my husband knows like when I have a really bad day, he's like, forwards me a review. It's <laughs> like, this just came in today. Oh, that's <laughs> but nice. our boots are blazers. And like, it's, it's a review that that says that it's not just about the boots it's how it makes women feel and Mm -hmm. that they are so much more confident at work um i think that gets me through it yeah Um, and my awesome team of course yeah so speaking of your team how did you go about like when you decided to start the company and you said you're building a an awesome culture like what does culture mean to you at xena and how do you handpick people that help can you know kind of continue to improve that and build upon it i think it's one of the most challenging questions um and i'm still learning about it my goal was to um follow the uh, kind of follow the steps um Yvonne Chouinard used the founder of Patagonia Mm. he wrote a book called let my people go surfing so he hires only people who are self-starters and who don't need to be micromanaged who believe in the mission so much that they know what to do mm-hmm. and I, I don't like to micromanage people so mm-hmm. this was my goal and this is what I'm still trying to do there I had to fire a few people but mm-hmm. the, the thing is you should hire slowly and fire fast mm-hmm. the firing part is really not fun mm-hmm. um, but I'm really trying to build a diverse team with different skills higher for my weaknesses and I have a lot of them (laughs) Uh, but in terms of culture the most important thing to me is to build this um, meritocracy I don't like to make democratic decisions like if we're making a decision on a design there's there may be two or three people who matter the most on that decision if we're making a decision about what supplier to use next I don't need everyone to make a democratic decision so Mm -hmm. we're still working on it and having um, a really transparent communication is important. Like mm-hmm. everyone on the team should feel comfortable to speak about, of course, the positive things. But mm-hmm. if something sucks, nobody's afraid. And so, sometimes it's it's tough. Like yeah. nobody's afraid to to tell what's up and what they don't like about um, our company or me or somebody else. There's a balance to strike there. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, you do want to create a, a an environment that you know this is something that we're striving to striving towards, but create an environment where people do feel like they can say something. Um, but it's also like making sure that the things that they're speaking up about are things that truly the company cares about. Um, and not just like complain that we don't have enough pillows on the couch, you know, or something like that. I, that actually mm-hmm. is something we probably need to fix, but, um, <laughs> but like, y- you know, cause it, cause it's not just like escalate every single thing. I think we have certainly seen 
times where we have overcorrected in that area where it's like you've built so much comfort that it's you're almost not even seen as like a coworker. It's like this is my, a friend, so I can tell them everything. It's mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. We're still at a workplace. Yeah. You know, we still have to keep some certain boundaries. So I do think that that balance is is really hard. Yeah. You bring up a really good point, especially if um, if we're talking about any political issues. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are times when everyone feels com- like feels that they need to express their personal opinion. But mm-hmm. we need to understand that we live in a country with so many different opinions and we try to be very everyone should feel comfortable to express their opinion on the on the our very small team but then if we talk about social media mm-hmm. um we draw a very fine line what topics we touch and like i try to be very focused on women's issues mm-hmm. like our mission like whatever there's so many problems in the world um but our goal is to empower women mm-hmm. and help more girls get into these well-paid careers mm-hmm. um and help w- women in some of the trades be more successful in in their careers and if a topic is really uh yeah far away like we, yeah. we don't we try to stay away from it yeah i think we do a, a decent job of talking about a lot of uh worldly topics um internally but we definitely draw a line with social media because there's also like a performative piece to that that mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of companies take and they actually aren't having conversations with their employees about it yeah. or aren't reaching the people that it's affecting, et cetera. Um, so I would say we definitely are on the conservative side with social 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 media. Wow. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think I care too much about that as yeah. long as internally we're doing the right things. Yeah. And we like I think there's a there's abs like it there's a people will say like you should be able to bring your whole self to work and i think that's very true in a lot of ways but also you have to present that whole self has to be like professional and in <laughs> in like you can't be disrespectful of any of your yeah. co- coworkers that have different opinions mm-hmm. to you and that's like it's part of like tying back to like diversity in the workplace that's right. like uh that's a ma- ma- like respect is a massive part of that and right. so mm-hmm. like if you i um very good friends with one of like our technicians who I have a very different, like Chris and I have like, <laughs> people broke people's brains when they realized we were very good friends outside uh-huh. of work because we just are very different people right. uh, politically. But yeah. like you can be, you can have respect for people that are not, mm-hmm. that don't share 100% of your views. Yeah. Right? I think lately we've all been put to the test and by mm-hmm. lately, I mean the last three years. <laughs> um, we've been put to the test on like political issues because a lot of them have been impacting individuals that we employ. And it's it's been really hard and it's been very emotional. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, th- I think that's another piece that I personally struggle with is the emotional side of it. Um, you know, in my job... I think I'm expected to have a certain amount of emotions and empathy, maybe even more so than others. But uh, it's been really hard to balance like, okay, I'm a professional. I can be very level headed about this while also like dying on the inside (laughs) and just like wanting to just cry and scream and yell. Um, But so that has been really, really hard. And I think we've have felt that we've had conversations about that Mm -hmm. and like, how do we address things internally that, allow us to be who we are and allow us to show up as a woman 
that is emotional because I'll be the first one to admit <laughs> I'm the most emotional, but also have like a very level headed and professional conversation about certain things. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, an, yeah, it's a balancing act and you have it with, it. it is not something that you have to do just at work. Right. But right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we are all women who have direct reports that so we all lead, uh, different size teams here. Mm-hmm. So, um, you've have one direct report. That's a woman, one direct report, that's one a direct woman. report. And then a few and within, a few the, within organization. the organization. Yep. And you have none, none. Yeah. but we have one we have starting. One on we have way. one starting yeah. in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, Anna, how many people do you have on your team or women on your team? Um, we're three women now. So we're a team of five Okay, and we're running a really lean operation. It's only possible because we have an amazing manufacturing partner Mm -hmm. in Mexico, an amazing warehouse with a full team in Milwaukee. Um, and yeah, so that way we can run. Mm -hmm. That's, that's shocking to me. (laughs) It's <laughs> like that your team is that small. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We just hired our 15 member and I'm so happy. It's a social media manager because I did social media for a long time. And this is <laughs> not my jam. Is that Christina? Is that yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I saw her on yeah. social media. She just like did her little intro. It was so cute. Yeah. I like awesome. that. Um, so, you know, being that we have men and women reporting to all of us, like what are, what do you think the expectations are as a manager to call out, point out, educate, et cetera, um, when there is a boundary co- uh, crossed or there's just an opportunity to educate? Do you think it's your job to insert yourself in the situation, pull them aside? How do you handle things like that? I personally um, do it after the meeting, uh, do a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's necessary because if you don't correct it right away, it just creates worse. bad culture but yeah. I, I feel like you probably have better more experience de- dealing with um you probably have more people reporting to you than i do yeah i think for me it was it's, it was actually kind of funny so I, my i worked with my fiance when we first started working and now he works here as well but <laughs> um he was one of those people that he something happened in a meeting and no one said anything in the meeting and we had just become friends and i was like why why did you say that and he, it was something that like he unconsciously didn't even realize Mm -hmm. was something that was wrong um so definitely agree that I I don't like to call it out in that meeting because I think 99% of the time people aren't doing it intentionally right um so kind of like taking that conversation offline and and doing it in a more like educational way of not not calling them out making them feel bad but just like in the future this is why it's wrong this is why we you know Mm -hmm. this is the reason that I'm bringing you aside but I think a lot of times it can be taken as like a negative thing if you're calling it out in that meeting and then they get really emotional and especially and in front scared. of a lot of people right yeah. so yeah. I, I definitely think it's better to take those conversations kind of to the side for sure how how do you feel like that or as a manager or as a leader at the company do you feel like that changes at all um like is there any pressure to respond to it in a in a appropriately but like slightly more directly uh, as an ex- as an example to other uh, women or underrepresented groups, um, yeah, I, I, it it's situationally dependent, I think, but it, and person dependent. Um, I think if you 
if it's the same offender and it's a repeat offender, those like situations should be treated differently. Yeah. Um, but if, if it truly is someone that just like really didn't know that what they yeah. said in that situation was wrong, like that's they get a pass, you know, in my, yeah. in my you know, instance. But um, if it's definitely something that's repeating over and over again, um, they've already been made aware. So um, at that point, it's like you can yeah. feel feel free to call them out in yeah. that meeting because I've already taken, you, you know, X, Y, Z aside, you know, yeah. three times. Um, so they they should know that that's coming. Um, but yeah, I think it's just situationally dependent. Yeah. And I do think you also like I think you can call someone out without it uh, being like sh- shaming them yeah. or like, <laughs> like I, I think in any of these situations, you have to assume positive intent and that yeah. they don't understand mm-hmm. like they like that. It's just like, oh, it's like, oh, I didn't realize like, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, I think that's what makes this the hardest thing to address mm-hmm. because there is no, There's no right amount. way. Because it is situational, it is person dependent. Because mm-hmm. you can, if you observe it, you can usually tell if it's intentional or not. Yeah, uh, and it's very typically not malicious. Right. It's oh, just sure. Like, yeah. yeah, but it's like, do you say something to make the other person that it happened to, like, feel like you're sticking up for them? Mm-hmm. You take them aside. Like, there's a lot going on in <laughs> yeah. an instant, and how you respond in that instant instance is really important, and does set an example for how people view you as a manager, view you as a lead, um, and their expectations of you. Like it, yeah. it's a really tricky situation. Um, but I think as long as people care about having a great work environment, regardless who it affects, uh, I think that that's the best way to approach it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the actual action that is taken is so dependent on the situation okay. and it makes it hard. Yeah. Entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, so want to ask you, how can corporations, companies like Hermius, um, partner with Xena? Yeah, we just dedicated it uh, after I hired my fifth team member. Mm-hmm. Um, I freed up my time to like work on corporate partnerships, mm-hmm. and it's been so much fun. I get to talk <laughs> to some of the coolest uh, like safety managers at some yeah. of the coolest companies ever. Uh, so there are two ways. One is um, connecting with me through LinkedIn or we have a form on our website that okay. says corporate partnerships. It's super short. You fill out like it takes a minute to fill out and we set up a call um, trying to understand what the current procurement process is. And then we uh, create kind of a one pager with a, a gift code for the company and list the steps that employees need to use to get safety shoes because every company is different some you're probably familiar with that some have reimbursements others mm-hmm. have uh, voucher systems so mm-hmm. so nice. we try to be flex as flexible as possible okay yeah. that's awesome yeah danielle's yeah. got some of your uh, boots on <laughs> yeah i just <laughs> put them on yeah i just put them on my p card so <laughs> nice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're gonna have to get that set up yeah that's our best-selling boot oh uh, yeah this, this is the one great. we launched with it's uh-huh the perfect walk walk through boot that you can wear in the office and go out on the shop floor. But this is so versatile. You can even like wear it to a construction site mm-hmm. and like wear it all, all day long. I mean, I, I flew in them this morning. That's awesome. <laughs> what inspires the different styles? Is it just customer feedback? Is it your all's personal experience? So in terms of safety features, I think about the, the environment they will be used in. And I try not to over-engineer a boot because sometimes if you pack so many features into one boot, it makes it so heavy and you may not use all of them. So What are the features of a boot? 
<laughs> so the most um, most important features are protective toe cap. Uh, it could be steel, could be uh, um, we're working on a fiberglass option. There's aluminum, there's composite. Um, so the protective toe cap and the slip resistant outsole are kind of a must have in most environments. Mm -hmm. And then the additional features. So this one is an electric hazard certified boot. So it's tested mm. up to 18,000 volts. Um, then we have a similar model to this one, which is ST certified. It's st static dissipative. So it conducts mm. your static charge from the body through the boots to the ground. And it's used in environments like um, chemical facilities where people work with highly flammable materials. Because like sometimes when you have static charge and like touch a door handle, like it can cause a spark. Okay. So that spark could start a fire or when you work with microchips, like that one spark could destroy a million dollar microchip that you've been working on. Mm -hmm. So um, then we have a metatarsal model that protects not only the toes, but also the metatarsal bones. It's used in heavy industries. Okay. So we use an open cell foam material that is flexible during walking and hardens during impact. Hmm. Um, That's and super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much more. <laughs> That's amazing. And we're working on a few more models that will come out. We finally want to release um, a shoe similar to yours, like <laughs> a, a, a lower model, flat model that will be highly slip resistant and finally have a boot for women and trades. I feel like every time we release a boot, like I want it to be really durable, but then I see um, potential for improvement. So mm -hmm. the next one will be just an amazing rugged beautiful durable <laughs> boot i love that i love that rugged and beautiful are used in like the same uh the same descriptive way to to, to describe your your boots that's awesome what uh so what's next for xena oh my goodness so we want to my, there's so many things that we still need to fix for for women like we get requests for fr clothing and high vis and so many gloves but we try to <laughs> stay focused on safety shoes so i want to yeah. release the next um three models and then after that we'll we'll have to make a decision whether we want to stick in the footwear space and deliver an additional uh, products mm -hmm. or potentially expand into uh workwear i'm like i'm hoping somebody else will fix the problem because some somebody asked me for um, functional pan pants for women, I send them to Dovetail, or if somebody asks for FR clothing, I sell them to Hot Work. Um, and over time, hopefully, we'll be serving women mm -hmm. globally. So we just expanded to New Zealand and Australia, which was very surprising. We okay. didn't even plan that. But so many women have been ordering boots in New Zealand and Australia and paying $70 wow. for shipment. So, uh, And there were multiple partners who wanted to work with us, and we finally decided to give it a shot and that's great so the goal will be focus on safety shoes focus on the u.s market first but then when the opportunities will come along expand internationally as well that's awesome i love that you called out dovetail and what was the other one hot work hot work um are there any other uh women owned or ppe companies made for women that you want to shout out and just say like kind of think that what they're doing is is great work so for gloves, um, I think it's called See Her Work. She doesn't have a ton of products, but she basically her pain point was she couldn't find good gloves after a big, <laughs> uh, big like environmental disaster. She was cleaning up her house that was completely falling apart, and like all her gloves would fall off her hands. So she designed mm -hmm. gloves. Um, let me think. Um, and it's nice to see um, that companies finally start to realize that it's important to make yeah. women's PPE. Um, I'm on on a committee we're writing a report about uh, women's PPE basically pulling data from 
um, military and showcasing like this is how men's and women's hands are different and feet are different and like everything else and this is why we need specific <laughs> this is why the shrink it and pink it approach does not work oh gosh so it's it's nice to see the change in the industry okay good good <laughs> again that's, that's one of that just seems so obvious but, um yeah sometimes i guess you do have to kind of put pen to paper there and say here's the data yes um but awesome uh, well, I think that, that I got through all my questions. I was really just interested to hear um, what inspired you, um, why you started Xena, kind of how you got to where you are. So I feel like we really covered that. But is there any other thing, any other um, items, topics that you would like to just share either about your story or any advice to women in uh, engineering technical fields? Um. Let's see. Oh, my goodness. Um, I would say if anyone has any additional requests for any type of PPE, like I always love to learn about um, the needs and mm -hmm. especially different professions because my background is in manufacturing and I still have so much to learn about so many other um, industries and areas. And I think we all should um, inspire more girls to enter this field, mm -hmm. not only because it's incredibly fun and fascinating, but it's also well paid. And I think <laughs> this is one of the ways that we can close the gender <laughs> pay gap. Mm -hmm. So yeah, overall, really grateful for the opportunity, opportunity to be here, hope mm -hmm. to partner with you guys. And yeah, love what you're doing. You're setting an amazing example here at Hermes, um, having so many incredible women um, on the engineering team. I looked up your LinkedIn profiles. I'm like, Damn. <laughs> awesome. Thank well, thank you all so much. Yeah. This was fun. This yeah. was good. Fun. Yeah, this was fun. We're going to have to take you over and show you some of our uh, I'm excited. Uh, machines. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll go take a look. Yeah. Cool. All right. Sweet. Awesome. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. <laughs>